0: Today we we come to the last verse in Romans 6. A very well-known verse. A verse that is a summary statement of many of the doctrines that that we have been learning in the book of Romans and is is those very things that we're going to be talking about today. Because these are doctrines that lie at the very heart of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, I was reading a sermon that Charles Spurgeon preached on this verse. And, and and this is what he had to say about this verse in his introduction. He said, uh, Romans 6.23 is a, a Christian proverb, a golden sentence, a divine statement of truth worthy to be written across the sky. Within this verse you have both the essence of the gospel and a statement of the misery from which the gospel delivers all who Believe, and that is so true. So Romans 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let us pray once again. Heavenly Father, as we come to Your Word, I pray, Lord, that You would grant us understanding Grant us faith that that we can trust in You. Grant us wisdom and discernment and knowledge, Lord, as we look to Your Word. And Father, what we know not teach us, what we have not give us, and who we are not make us. For Christ's sake and in His name I pray. Amen. Amen. The first little word, for. This links this verse, to all that's been said before. And and Paul has been talking in contrast of two spiritual realities. We've talked about this a lot in different times. We're going to kind of refresh on some of these things because of of this verse. In in chapter 5, Paul talked about those who are in Adam. Remember that? Uh, which, which is all mankind, all sprang from the seed of Adam, except one, Jesus Christ, who was born of a virgin, born of God, not contaminated by the seed of Adam. That's, that's crucial. That's very important. And we know and we have learned that Adam disobeyed God. And his b- disobedience brought death Not just to Himself, but to all of His seed, to all of mankind after Him. In Romans 5 verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man, and this was Adam, sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. So how did sin enter? Disobedience. It entered through disobedience, the disobedience of Eve and Adam. In Genesis, the second chapter, verses 16 and 17, God laid it out there. And the Lord God commanded the man, commanded Adam, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. Eat, For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. There was the warning. And he disobeyed. And you shall surely die. Now, did this mean immediate physical death? Well, no. Of course not. Adam didn't die physically. What's it talking about here? Well, eventual physical death would come. I'm not sure we weren't meant to live forever. Uh, Adam and Eve, if, if things would have remained perfect, would, would they have lived? I... But because he sinned, physical death came for sure, but it was more spiritual. Spiritual death came. Separation from God. And this spiritual death spread to all mankind. And Adam all died. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 21 and 22. For since by man, and this was Adam, for since by man came death by man, I want you to notice, at least it's probably in the King James, in New King James, look, for since by man, lowercase m, came death by man, uppercase, God, Christ, Son of Man, for since by Adam, by man, came death, by man, by Jesus Christ, also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. In Adam all die. All are born into sin. Romans three twenty three: For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In Romans 3, verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. And Adam all died. Spiritual death, as well as death coming to these mortal bodies. And then the contrast of being in Christ. Jesus obeyed God, and in His obedience resulted in justification of life for all who believe, for all who are joined to Him, Those who are in Christ, we just read from 1 Corinthians, in Christ all shall be made alive, all who believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now in Romans 5, let's read verses 18 and 19. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, this is talking of Adam, resulting in condemnation, Even so, through one man's righteous act, this is talking of Jesus Christ, through one man's righteous act, the free gift, keep this in mind, free gift, we're going to be talking about this later, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Let me ask, how many? All. That's how many. That's how many. As we just read, judgment came to all men resulting in condemnation. Many were made sinners. Well, how many? All. So also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Well, how many? All who believe. All who believe. All who by grace through faith believe. Then in verse 20, in chapter 5, he gives the contrast between law and grace. Moreover, The law entered that the offense might abound. And we talked about this in in a sermon, talked about this to quite some degree, that sin might abound, that sin might be made known, that sin might be made manifest, that there would be no doubt about sin. So it was made to abound, to be made known. But where sin abounded, what? Grace abounded much more. I remember we talked about it, and Paul asked that question because he knew people were thinking, well, is the law sin? Remember that? Certainly not. Certainly not. How, would I have not. how would I have known sin unless the law had told me thou shalt not covet? You see, it was there to make sin abound, to be made known. But grace came, abounding much more, resulting in righteousness and eternal life. Now, I want us to look at the similarities between Romans 5.21 and Romans 6.23. We, we've talked a lot of how, how uh, Paul repeats the same doctrines and same things over and over and over. And these things, when you know it's being repeated, you know it's of great importance. So in Romans 5.21... Now, in, in the back of your mind, be thinking, and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.21, So that as sin reigned in death, the wages of sin is death, even so grace might reign through righteousness, through eternal life, through Jesus Christ our Lord. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. You, you see, the, it, it's, he's saying the same thing. We are either under the reign of sin and death or we are under the reign of grace and eternal life in Jesus Christ. Talked about this. I'm, I'm hoping some of the, the, the thoughts of the sermons that we've preached over the last many months are coming to mind even as I say those things. Here's what Lloyd-Jones said in regard to this. All by nature are under the reign of sin and death. What then makes anyone a Christian? (laughs) Oh, it is grace. It is wondrous grace. There is no other explanation. Nothing else but grace through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Nothing of which we can boast. It is all due to God's infinite goodness and compassion. It is because of the exceeding riches of His grace. End "Quote, I wish I'd have brought the recording and just let you listen to Him say those words. <laughs> because we know this in talking about grace. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. And here's that gift word again. It is the gift of God not of works, lest anyone should boast. So we have the contrast in Adam or in Christ. We have the contrast of under the reign of sin and death or under the reign of grace and eternal life through Christ. Then in Romans 6, remember the contrast? The, the, the two slaveries in, in Romans 6, verse 19. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh, but just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. You see that? Let me pause there for a moment. That that is what happens with those who are in sin. It's ever increasing. It's taking you deeper and deeper and deeper. I've heard sin will take you farther than you ever want to go. Lawless, leading to more lawlessness. So now, of being born again, present your members, your, your, your mouth, your tongue, your eyes, your hands, your feet, your, the members of your mortal body, present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. First, there's the, the slavery to sin, uncleanness and lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. And all, all are born into the slavery thanks to Adam, thanks to disobedience. Contrasted to being a slave of righteousness for holiness. And all are one of these two types of slave. All. All. And w- and what is the end result of these two slaveries? Well, let's read Romans 6, verses 21 and 22. "'What fruit did you have then in the things in which, of which you are now ashamed?' For the end of those things is what? Say it. Death. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end, what? Everlasting life. So what's the end of being a slave to sin? What's the end? It's death of being a slave to the Lord Jesus Christ, the follower of Him, being joined to Him. What is the end? Everlasting life. Contrast, these are the end results that everyone who has ever lived on the face of this planet, again, save Jesus Christ, that everyone faces. There there are only two possibilities. How often is this message of the gospel put in such a way? Either your spiritual house is built upon the sand or it's built on the rock, one or the other. You're either passing through the wide Gate and and the broad road that leads to death and destruction or you're on the difficult road and passing through the narrow gate that leads to life. You're either a dead, lifeless tree that will be cut down and cast into the fire or you're a living, spiritual tree grafted into Christ and bearing the spiritual fruits of righteousness. Always only two possibilities. Two positions. There is no... Neutral position. I talked about this a little bit last week. There's no neutral ground. You are one or the other. Scripture makes the end of each of these two positions very clear. It will end in either death or life. Romans 6.23, one more time, put it up. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death. see, a wage... See, there's there's a tremendous difference here. See, can you see what a difference it would have been if Paul would have used it the same in both times? For the wages of sin is death, but the wage of God... Do you see the vast difference? Because a wage... Is something earned for the work, for the things you have done. It is something that you deserve. That's a wage. Uh, let me read from Spurgeon. Quote, Death is sin's due reward, and it must be paid. A master employs a man, and it is due to that man that he should receive his wages. If his master did not pay him his wages, it would be an act of gross Injustice. You, are you looking ahead? you see where he's going? If you don't pay the wage, that's injustice. Now, if sin did not bring upon man death and misery, it would be an injustice. It is necessary for the very standing of the universe that sin should be punished. It must be so. They that sow must reap. The sin which hires you must pay you. Every transgression and disobedience must receive its just recompense of reward. There is no use in attempting to alter it so long as God and justice reign. Those who do sin's work must receive sin's wage, and the wages of sin is death. It must be so, or God is a liar, and He is a God who cannot lie. Every soul will one day reap their just reward, their just wage. Every soul. In Hebrews 2, the first three verses. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, And let me interject, and they have. And every transgression and disobedience received a just reward. Yeah, they will. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? You won't. You won't escape. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard Him? There will be no escape for the unbeliever. For those who remain in their sin, for those who die in their sin, they will reap their just reward death. What is this death? Is it just physical death and annihilation and then you're gone? You cease to ever exist body or spirit again. No, that's not what it is. It's an eternal death and suffering. It is everlasting. In Revelation 21, it refers to it as the second death in Revelation 21, verse 8. But the cowardly here, listen, look at this list. Now here's John giving a list. Usually it's Paul we're reading these lists, but here it's John. But the cowardly, and you may be sitting there going, What? The cowardly? <laughs> The cowardly, what's that? Well, here, think of it this way. The cowardly, those who are ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How about that as cowardly? Because what did Paul say? I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believed. So for the cowardly, those who are ashamed of the gospel, that would be unbelievers if they're ashamed. You see? The, The cowardly... And then right after that, unbelieving, abominable. That means it's full of sin, terribly full of sin. Murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters. And look at this and all liars. Now, now, we know how much we hate lying. God hates it too. But this is that's not talking about, I don't believe, just any old little lie. It's not what it's talking about. Remember back in Romans 1, those who exchanged the truth of God for the lie? Remember that? And, and how often is that happening today? And all that's going on, all this transgender mess, this critical race theory, all this stuff, exchanging the truth of God for the lie. So all these, the cowardly, the unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, adulterers, and all liars, shall have their part, listen to this, shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. See, the born again believer, those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, they will have no part in the second death. But all others will. For those who die apart from Christ, it is eternal death and punishment. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians, 1st chapter, verses 6 through 9. Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who who trouble you we we talked about that tribulation you, you remember that you remember what a tribulon is? Remember uh, when they they take the wheat and they separate the wheat from the the chaff and the stem and everything they take it in on the thrashing floor. remember that that utensil that they beat the wheat with that's a tribulon tribulation tribulon so so would repay with tribulation, with beatings, with suffering. You see that? Those who trouble you. And did you catch that? It's a righteous thing with God to do that because He is just. And these people will reap their just reward. Do you see that? But God, that's not fair. God is most fair. And He is just and a righteous judge, and He will do all things correctly. Verse 7, And to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with His holy angels and flaming fire. And what's He going to do when He comes again? What's He going to do? Taking vengeance on those who do not know God. And on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen. Listen to this. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the power and from the glory of His power. Is there any doubt about the, what the Word of God says concerning these things? I, read your Bible. Believe the Bible. It's what it says. Everlasting destruction, eternal punishment, and an eternity, did catch it, from the presence of God, separated from His presence, a final and irreversible separation from God. There is no second chance. And don't let anyone ever try to tell you there is, there is none. Eternity outside of the presence of God. Every soul will one day reap their just reward. Let's go to Romans, the second chapter. Uh, Let's read verse 5 through 11. But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, this is the unbelieving, the hard heart, the unrepentant heart, what you say of them, you are treasuring up for yourselves wrath in the day of, of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Judgment day is coming. And here you are, building up wrath, lawlessness. Remember when we just talked about that, upon lawlessness taking you deeper, deeper. You're building up. You're storing up wrath for what is coming. Verse 6, "...who will render to each one according to his deeds." Eternal life to those who by patient patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, exchange the truth of God for a lie, but obey unrighteousness, what will they receive? Indignation and wrath. Tribulation, here's that word again tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil of the Jew first and also of the Greek. You know, that verse 11 is going to say there's no partiality. Jew or Greek, it doesn't matter. But glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for there is no partiality with God. God is just and must render to each one their just reward. Amen? Yes. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The unbeliever's wage is death. The born again believer receives a gift. And what's the gift? It's eternal life. The unbeliever receives their wage, which is due them. They have earned it. It has been their life's work. They will receive their reward from that. The believer receives a gift. It is not earned. You cannot earn it. It is freely given. Romans 3, verse 24. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Romans 5, verse 18. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in the justification of life. Salvation cannot be earned by works. It cannot. can't be earned by works, by human goodness, or by any religious ritual. Plug in any false religion, ritual, you want to. And that does not earn salvation. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift. A gift. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So what is what is eternal life? Eternal life in Christ Jesus. What's What's eternal life? Well, How about this? Let's let Jesus give us the definition. Well, let's go to John 17, verse 3. Here's what Jesus said. And this is eternal life. That they may know You, God. That they may know You, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom You have sent. That's eternal life. That's eternal life. It's not just everlasting existence. It's not, yeah, that's a part of it, but it's not just that. But it's everlasting existence in knowing God and being with God. Do you see that? What's the unbelievers get? Separation. Eternal separation. What's the believer get? An eternity. A fellowship with God. First John three, first two verses. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Explanation mark, and it deserves one, doesn't it? Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know Him, beloved. Now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Any sight of God that the unbeliever is going to see is in judgment. They will see the wrath of God. For the believers, we will see the love of God continuing forever and ever and ever We sang this earlier. Can we sing the chorus? Knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all. You're the best. You're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you Lord. Because you see, it's about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul ends here as he's done before by acknowledging Jesus Christ our Lord in Romans 6.11. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Romans 8, verses 38 and 39. For I am persuaded that neither life that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul always gave thanks to the Lord in 1 Timothy, 1st chapter, verses 12 through 15. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. I read that. And I don't understand it. I don't understand why he would call me to be here. I'm not I'm not worthy to be here, but he has called me to do this. And I thank God just as as Paul is thanking God, I thank God that He has called me into the ministry. I, I don't know where I'd be if I wasn't here and doing this. You see, Paul says I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of which I am (laughs) chief." Lloyd-Jones said this of, of Jesus Christ. Let me just read. Quote, The whole of our life is in Christ. It is through Jesus Christ our Lord. Everything is from Him, and without Him there is nothing at all. This blessed future which is offered us and promised us is all through Jesus Christ our Lord. It is in Him and because of Him that we are justified freely by God. We receive our justification as the result of His work, His spotless life of obedience, His atoning sacrificial death where He received our punishment. We are justified by His blood. He was delivered up for our offenses and raised again for our justification. It is all in Jesus Christ, His incarnation Life, obedience, agony, death, burial, grave, resurrection, and an ascension to the right hand of God in the glory everlasting. It is through Jesus Christ our Lord, and without Him we have nothing. It is because of Him that God declares us to be righteous. He imputes us He imputes to us the righteousness of Jesus Christ and joins us to Him. End quote. It's about Jesus. And being joined to Him. So I'll just ask the question here this way Are you in Christ? Have you been joined to Him? We've talked about the two possibilities, we talked about the two ends that is coming to every human being, to every soul of mankind. Which end will you face? One leads to death, separation from God, and eternal suffering in hell. The other leads to righteousness and eternal life with Jesus Christ our Lord in heaven. John three, verse seventeen and eighteen. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved, saved from their sin. He didn't didn't come to condemn the world. It was already condemned. And had been condemned since Adam and Eve. He who believes in Him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already. Remember, they're storing up wrath. Lawlessness unto lawlessness unto lawlessness. They're storing up wrath. They're condemned already. Why? Because He has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And then there's the other question. Do you believe? By grace through faith, do you believe unto righteousness? Because Jesus came into this earth to be the perfect sacrificial lamb to give His life a ransom for all who would believe to pay in full the penalty of sin for all those who believe. So by faith, believe and receive Jesus Christ. Confess that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. Repent of your sins. Receiving, believing, and turning from your sin and following Christ. John 5, verse 24. Most assuredly I say to you, he he who hears my word and believes in Him who sent me has everlasting life. And shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Can you put that with the things we've talked about today? Child of God will not see second death. We will be passed from this mortal body's death into life. No second death. John 3, verse 36. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not see the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. They will see judgment. They will see wrath. They will see death. Eternal death and suffering. In John 6, verse 47, Oh, surely I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. So our plead and our prayer it's by grace through faith, believe and repent. One more passage of Scripture, one we have read almost every Sunday, John ten, or Romans 10, I'm sorry, Romans 10, verses 9 through 13. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with a heart one believes unto righteousness, and with a mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your word, give you you thanks, Father, that it, it, it makes it clear, at least to me now in Christ, I look at it and it's clear, and I understand that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. They can't see it, and they can only see it, Father, if You open their eyes that they can. So, Father, I pray by a miracle of mercy and grace, that You would open spiritually dead, blind eyes to see You, to see the truth of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And Father, as they would see a glimpse of You, most holy God, that their sin would just be just radiating before them and they would tremble tremble, I we sing that song, tremble at the law that they have spurned all these years. Because they finally recognize themselves as a sinner. They finally recognize, recognize themselves as, as one whose end will be death, everlasting death in hell. And Father, upon that vision of seeing You, Lord, grant them faith that they might believe. Lord, by grace, grant them repentance as they would Cry out to you, confessing their sin. Lord, grant them the faith that they would believe and receive Christ and turn from their sin and follow Christ the remainder of their days. Lord, have mercy, and Father, for those of us who, who know Christ, are in Christ, have been, have joined together with Him. Help us to never forget the the, the magnitude of mercy and grace and love that we have received. Father, help us to share the love of Christ with others. Lord, help us to, to be a vessel that could help rescue the perishing to those who are yet in their sin. Lord, not by our persuasive words, Lord, but that we might be a vessel to to deliver Your truth and that You might take that truth and and by the power of Your Holy Spirit perform that miracle of salvation. So Lord, help us to live as we should and everything that we would say and do, Lord, would bring honor and glory to You. Help us, Lord, we need You. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.